What is up, Flock and friends? Welcome into another episode of Talkin' Flock, your full Mingo podcast. I'm your host, Rob Chapel, and with me today in the co-pilot seat, the one and only Andrew Schmidt. How you doing, Andrew? Yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, it's funny you mentioned the one and only. Every time I meet another Andrew, especially if it's at work, I'm like, you know, this is a Highlander situation, right? There can yep. only be one of us. Uh, <laughs> and but, there are a lot of Andrews in the world. Yeah, there are. I told Andrew Wheeler Amenu the first time I met him, I'll allow, this is maybe he can be the Christopher Lambert to my mm-hmm. Sean Connery. So is uh, this a, does, do I have to deal with this with Robert Screen? Yeah, obviously you do. I have to fight him or something. Yeah, yeah, with a long, uh, what what do they call their their swords that the Highlanders carry? I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if it if it becomes like a, a duel of soccer skills, I'm t- I, I'm gonna have to go by a different name, probably. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna gloss over one game and dig in deeply into another game. But before we do that. Wherever you are listening to this, hit the like button, hit the subscribe, hit the follow, leave us a rating and review, please. Um, we do, uh, I, I, I continue, my, my wife gets freaked out every time we go to the game and somebody recognizes my voice. <laughs> so I know that there are people in the stadium who listen to us. Uh, shout out to Joe uh, sitting right behind us in section 108 uh, last week. Uh, always uh, always with the um, with the fist bump and the, the, the kind words for us. Uh, so thanks, Joe. I know you're listening. Um, the, uh, the the other thing we want to mention before we dig into these games is uh, it's Henny Derby time next uh, this coming weekend. It's coming Saturday. We're at Richmond. Um, I have a call into the league office. They're going to call me Wednesday, probably at, uh, at Wednesday or Thursday, uh, or rather Tuesday or Wednesday. They're going to call me and let me know: Did they actually, on purpose, schedule the Henny Derby on Henny Derby on Juneteenth weekend? Because it seems almost too good to be coincidental. Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, hey, uh, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Yes. So, so even <laughs> so, I my even if they didn't purposely do that, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, totally, totally yeah, did that yeah. on purpose." Uh, yeah. But you know, Henry Derby, as as our folks know, um, is the the Kyle Carr and Elliot Barr on Twitter making a bet in 2019. Um, over a, a bottle of Hennessy between uh, the winner of, the, of the, this match. Uh, the Henny Derby, the Henny Trophy, the bottle of Hennessy is in our possession right now, is in that our, but in the Featherstone Flamingos possession. Um, and uh, so we'll go to Richmond with that trophy on the line. But it's very cool to have this sort of rivalry, fan driven, fan led that is driven by black supporters and that it's happening that the celebration of this is, is it becomes then a celebration of black soccer culture, which is a great, and Kyle, and, and this is a couple of white dudes talking about it, but Kyle's going to come Kyle and maybe April, depending on her schedule are going to come on the podcast next week to recap the, the experience, but they're basically recreating the eruption tour from 2019. Right. You went on that, didn't you? I did. I, I, I was on both uh, tours. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> We'll see how it goes this time. Uh, there is a heavy amount of drinking on the previous two, mostly just because of the cities that and the the, the activities that we are dragged along to uh, demanded it. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm I I wouldn't be surprised if that <laughs> happens again. Um, I know April and Chris Fox and Jalen are and and Chris Fox's kids are, are all driving down. They're yeah. going to pick up some some of the Black Fire supporters. Uh, and they're going to stop in Tennessee, and they're going to end up in, in Richmond. 
Um, the the Walkin' 90 crew is going to be there. Obviously, Elliot and Kyle, y- Yogi, you might know better as yeah. Yogi if you listen to Walkin' 90. And and Kyle and um, Ebony Christmas is coming up from North Carolina. Uh, they're going to do like a special Walkin' 90 podcast on Friday night. Big, uh, big to-do, you know, big party. Uh, there's some, some supporters group coming up from Atlanta. It's like it's like a big big thing, yeah, uh, and it'll be tailgating on Saturday, and then the match will happen. But um, and and the the what I want our listeners to know <clears throat> is follow Featherstone Flamingos on Twitter and Instagram because they're going to be while they're traveling, they're going to be tweeting and posting about the history of Juneteenth, the importance of Juneteenth, and the um, and the history and the importance of Black soccer culture. Yep, absolutely, which is all really important. Uh, so sit back starting Thursday. Sit back and get educated. Follow Feathers from Flamingos on Twitter and Instagram and tune in. And um, and I said, like I said, we'll have next week's Talking Flock. We'll have Kyle and I hope April as well to, to reflect on that experience. And, and for sure. Have, so for sure. Uh, so let's um, let's get into these. We got two games to talk about. One game we're going to talk about very briefly because because honestly, when I was typing up the notes yesterday and today. Um, I realized about an hour before we started that I had blocked the Chattanooga game out of my memory and did not type any notes about it. <laughs> so <laughs> I was already ready to, to, um, to get past it, but uh, we're coming off that, that difficult loss last Saturday um, a game. We played great for 70 something minutes, gave up two two late stupid goals and, um, and lose to central Valley who at the time was in the last was in the wooden spoon position. Um, so now we're looking to bounce back from that. We're going to Chattanooga, who, which was then after Central Valley beat Madison, Chattanooga dropped to the wooden spoon position. So we're thinking, okay, two games in a row against the last place team. We ought to be able to handle one of these. Right. Um, and it just didn't happen. It was just uh, a pretty lackluster performance, which I get. You know, it's hard to go on the road. It's hard to go on a, the road on a short week um, in this in the middle of this gauntlet of seven games in a month. Um was there anything in particular that stood out to you? I got, we got a couple of stats here and a couple of thoughts, but anything stick out to you as to why why that egg was laid so badly? You know, I <clears throat> watching this team uh, pretty much every game since the the inception of this club. There uh-huh. there seems to be these games, and uh, you know, uh, as a uh, long time long suffering Arsenal fan who watched the uh, latter <laughs> days of Arsene Wenger's career at at Arsenal. Yep. There are very uh, similar notes at times of like, you know, I could look up all the stats I'd want to. Ultimately, though, like the the theme just seemed like a lack of intentionality. There was no spark. There was no real like that's the thing is like if you watch, you know, like this team playing at their best, um, they have these like sort of machinations, what what uh paramaritasacker used to call uh mechanisms that are just like these sort of like behind the scenes like sort of immaterial things guys know where the other guy's gonna be they're able to pass without looking like it just seems though in some games like we just don't have that and i i don't know if that's something that you know you can really it's an intangible thing right yeah it just is there that day or it's not and both of those games seemed like it just wasn't there. And mm-hmm. like me as a, someone who likes to uh, be able to feel some sort of solace <laughs> in the data. Sometimes yeah. the data is just not your friend. 
Uh, and we'll, well, we, yeah. can, we can get into that about this NCFC game because the data showed on the other side that we shouldn't have won that game. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So looking at, at things on paper doesn't always tell you the full story. And um, man, uh, if I have to watch more crosses going in from the <laughs> flanks to nobody that's nobody. able to do ever, anything, uh, mm-hmm. man, uh, it'll be too soon. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Now it, it was interesting. You, you said lack of intentionality, cause that's, that's a lot of it. And that there's, I, I, I find, I, I think this is true. And, and uh, again, this is us, you know, amateur pundits talking about it, but it's hard. It's, it's not so much for in a, for a football match. It's not so much about being emotionally like up for the game. It's, it's more about being dialed in and, yeah. and focused. Right. And 100%. I just didn't see the focus uh, on Wednesday night, which is, again, it's, it's a it, there's physical fatigue and there's mental fatigue. Yep. And you're feeling dispirited from that loss. And it's hard to bounce back from that. You know, the loss against Central Valley at home and a game that you feel like you should have won. It's easy to hang your head a little bit. I didn't I don't think they were really hanging their head too bad and they weren't looking past Chattanooga, I don't think. Um, but uh, there were some personnel things. Right. Jaden Onan was hurt, as we found out later. So he didn't make the trip. Osmond, uh, I think I think it was just a rest rotation, situation, yeah. rotation thing. That Sam Brotherton got to start instead of Mitch Osmond, um, and um, Wolfgang Prentice got to start instead of uh, Derek Gebhardt. Um, although Prentice was replaced at, at halftime, Gebhardt came in for him, um, and it was uh, I, I think I don't know if if it was the the absence of Mitch Osmond, but our defenders were just the, in the first half at least were really on their heels. Yeah. I feel like, and it was just, um, and, and we had, we had Wolfgang Prentice and, and, and Christian Cheney playing a lot of defense. Like <laughs> they shouldn't, they, you know, it's nice that they help out, but they, they were playing way, way more defense than they should have been. And, um, and, and the, before they, before Chattanooga got the goal, like you knew it was coming, like from the, the 25th minute on, um, Malongo had a big chance that went just wide. Siobhan Marsh was a great save. Um, Jacob Kroll saved one off the line. Like you knew that that goal was coming. Right. Uh, finally, a free kick comes in. Rupapa Mensa gets up and gets ahead to it and it gets in. And then um, right before halftime, Siobhan Marsh finds a bit of space and puts one in at just a crazy angle, just a classy as hell finish. But he was in behind the defense because the defense was a bit slow. Um, and we'll talk more in the North Carolina game about the importance of scoring just before halftime. But if that's a one zero game at halftime, like it's a different outcome. I feel like because yeah. we, Madison played much better in the second half, which was nice to see. Like we, there was a game last year. I think I'm, I feel like it was central Valley. Is it when was, when was the game that um, Cassini got sent off last year? Tucson. Was that Tucson? That was Cyrus Rogers. Well, yeah, it was. I think it was Central Valley. I feel like it was Central Valley. It might, yeah. I might be wrong. Somebody will correct me on Twitter. Mitchell, correct me. Um, <laughs> but there was a game we lost. It was like a 3 nothing game, and it was just a lackluster performance. Right. Like nobody wanted to be there. Nobody wanted to do anything. And and it was um, – That was on in in uh, Fort Collins, right? It was in, it was it was a way game. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was North Colorado or, or Central Valley. Um, I feel like it was one of those two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't really matter. But, but the point yeah. is that it was lackluster. It was, it, it had the same feeling as the Chattanooga game. And, and in the second half didn't get any better. And then the rest of the season didn't get any better after that. It was just like they, everybody's hanging their heads after that. This one, at least we bounced back a little bit in the second half. And the second half was, was nil, nil. 
We had more shots, more chances. We ended that game with 22 yeah. shots. Yeah, only ridiculous. five on target. Only five on target. Right. Right. And we ended up with that game with 56% of possession. So I know those are not KPIs, and we're talking about you know stats don't tell the whole story, obviously. But the the second half was better, and it was unfortunate that we couldn't finish. We had a couple of decent chances, decent looks in the second half, um, and just couldn't finish, which is kind of a you know refrain. Right. Um, but you still you ended up feeling kind of like bleh about that whole Wednesday night game, right? Yeah, and to to be honest, like there it's weird. We talk of we talked about you guys talked about it last week, right? Like this playing to your level of competition. Uh like yep. whether yep. it's the last place team and not expecting them to to come at you. Um which is I th- I think a little bit of what happened again against Chattanooga. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you expect a team like North Carolina to come at you and to be yeah, prepared, you're ready for it. You're yeah, ready for to it. be prepared yep. for that and to prep, you know, prep all week for it and know that it's going to happen and have that mental part, like you were saying, dialed in and knowing like yep. every time we're on the ball, we have to make the most of it every single time. Right. Yep. And it just felt like we didn't have that mentality against Chattanooga. Like they, they, they would get the ball, bomb it down the wing, uh, you know, kick it in towards the middle and hope something comes of it. And like, as, as uh, the saying goes, hope is not a plan. Uh, (laughs) And I I think honestly, like, look at a Matt Glazer team at its absolute best and dialed in can do some serious damage as we saw on Saturday night. If the guys are not dialed in and aren't bought into what, you know, maybe what they need to do on the night, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't know what that is, right? Like, is that mental preparation? Is it getting themselves sort of in the zone as a team, as individuals, mm-hmm. um, whatever it was, uh, the, the attitude was different on Saturday. Entirely different. And uh, the personnel was a little different too. Let's, let's go ahead and transition into this, this game. This could be more fun to talk about, but the personnel was different. The, uh, Christian Cheney and Moro Teixeira both on the bench, uh, to start this one, and I thought, and I kind of tweeted to the effect that this is a shakeup. Like the the performance Wednesday night wasn't good enough to match shaking things up. He told us after the match that they were actually injury related. That that Cheney yeah. had a bit of a uh, strain in his calf, which is also Jaden Onan's issue. He wasn't even in the eighteen, um, and that uh, Morrow after the game in, in Chattanooga had had what he called a full body cramp, and he was like, yeah, "What is that? What is that?" And he's like in the hospital. Like what? Then I take him to the Yeah. I, I assume it's just uh, some sort of dehydration or like heat stroke yeah, or something like that. But, but that's rough. So, so, but both those guys were, were, could go, but not the full 90, maybe. Right. They want to risk it. They want to push them. So, um, so you get Francis Gino Baptiste with his first start uh, up top with, with Nazim Bartman. And then um, uh, uh, Nazim's normal spot in the left side of the midfield was taken by Wolfgang Prentice. Now, I, uh, and you and I talked about this after the game that I have not been super impressed with Wilker Prentice at the, to this point, mostly because he just hasn't had much chance. Like he's coming right. as he, the games he came in off the bench, he didn't make a meaningful impact in the, you know, seven minutes that he had, sure. but, you know, you, you guys asking a lot, but then his start at, uh, at, uh, at Chattanooga wasn't great, but it wasn't great for anybody. So like, that's yeah. the salt. So I did tweet, like I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on Wolfgang Prentice, and I'm only tweeting that because every time I tweet something positive about this team, we lose. <laughs> so I was hoping to do a reverse jinx on Wolfgang Prentice, and it worked. 
<laughs> so you know, I was I was actually like Prentice, and and this is kind of funny. At um in the first half, I was standing behind the Madison bench, and just kind of like taking in things from the crowd, kind of like mm-hmm. wa- watching. Uh, watching how that, you know, the attitude was and the feel was on the Ford Madison bench. And I, you know, we're setting up for a, to, you know, defending against a free kick in our defending third and JP, John Pascarella is shouting at Wolfgang Prentice calling him Wolfie, which I thought is like, <laughs> we, we've been calling him Wolfgang Amadeus Prentice the third, but I yeah. think Wolfie is actually, <laughs> Uh, way more entertaining, but yeah, no, uh, one, I was impressed with him in this game. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was really quick, added a, a liveliness. Not many of our guys have, uh, mm-hmm. was very nimble, especially on rebounds. He caught a lot of the rebounds, yeah. uh, off of, off of our shots. Um, his first touch on some of the passes he received was pretty sublime. Really nice um, first touches on a couple of those long balls. Yes. Yeah, that that if you if you get a chance to go rewatch the game, there's one around the 32 minute mark mm-hmm. where he grabs this aerial diagonal pass from Timmy Mel, who's all the way at the half line, uh, on the left flank at the top of their 18 yard box. He gets flagged offside, but it was still it was like, wow, that's that's a nice touch from a 19 year old. Yeah, um, right, right. But yeah, some of some of the usual stats for an attacker weren't great for him this game. Uh, 50% passing, but as we said, like it's not really a good KPI to go on for this league. Um, right, he but, was still he was still the highest rated player on Fat Mob. Yeah, well, one of the things I think was the reason behind that um, was outside of you know scoring goal, a goal, uh, but yeah. his passes were courageous. He had six into the final third and uh, mm-hmm. created created three chances, the most of any player in the game. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, he's he's getting himself in dangerous positions. He's um, I, has he played from that left wing, like kind of wing midfield position, or has he always slept in as a as a forward? I feel like he's mostly slept in as a as a striker. Yeah, but maybe that uh, that sort of slightly deeper role is is more suited to him. But but he's got some pace too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it depends on like what you're being asked, right? Like right, when you're yeah. when you're starting a match, you got to do everything. If you're coming on late, you probably have like a specific, specific role to play. Yep, exactly. Um, the other guy, uh, I thought Francis looked pretty good. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of him either. He had played only like sixteen or seventeen minutes to this point, but he yep. put in a, a very nice shift. Uh, he looked very pacey. Um, really, um, unfortunately, hesitant to pull the trigger. I felt like. There's yeah. a couple a couple spots where I felt like he, I you sensed that he was going to pull the trigger. There's one one spot where early in the match he's like dribbling across the top of the 18 and just couldn't bring himself to pull the trigger. Um, and the other thing he was uh, dispossessed a couple of times. And one thing you you besides the just the goal scoring, but the one thing you miss with Christian Cheney is his ability to hold up the ball and oh, his, yeah. his size and strength to ward off um, challenges to 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 possession. Um, so, you know, not, not, it wasn't bad. It, both Francis and um, and Zemo up top did get dispossessed a couple of times, but but that's just that's less about them and more about like we've become used to Christian Cheney just holding possession. Yeah, better, guys climbing on his shoulders. You know, I mean, I th- I think Cheney is just a, a an absolute like. 
powerhouse, right? He's a talismanic yeah. player who's gonna who's gonna try to do everything he can to get you a result. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you're gonna notice when he's not in the on the field. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I looked at Cheney's heat map uh after mm-hmm. he came on. Yeah, and he spent most of the time in the 20 minutes he was on camping out in their six yard box. Uh, <laughs> in the six right there. <laughs> yeah, right, right there. there. <laughs> right next to their keeper. <laughs> Not 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 super shocking, no. uh, and that's always and, that, and that's we already had the nice lead by that point. So you know he's he was he wanted a goal for himself. He wanted yeah. to add add one and, and make it just really embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to, to his credit too. I mean, uh, you know, I think it was partially rotation. I think he did have a knock. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He's been talking on social media uh, today about mm-hmm. uh, yesterday and today about being sick. I think he's got some kind of cold virus yeah. or something going yeah. on. So like, yeah. you know. Fair play to him. He came in and and did the job, uh, yeah. you know, which is what what you want from these guys. And now we've got until this weekend to to hopefully rest up and and recuperate, yeah. and um, hopefully he's ready for Richmond on Saturday. Yeah, fingers crossed for him for sure, and, and the same for Jaden. I think you you've been missing Jaden Owen quite a bit too. His pace um has been uh, you know know, you just notice that it's not that it's not there the other thing that i'll mention just generally um you mentioned the the mechanisms machinations that weren't there um those were back on saturday in a way we haven't seen and specifically i'm thinking of the the way we're able to work through tight spaces in the midfield oh yeah um uh the the and i talked about this like a month ago that it's just amazing sometimes how we're able to three or four really short, quick, easy passes right in sort of centrally in the midfield in a lot of tight spaces where there's a lot of congestion. You know, we, we, we overload the, that middle third with bodies. Yep. So it gets really congested and you, and, but a couple of quick passes, like one touch kind of passes. And then all of a sudden Stephen Payne is standing all by himself in three acres of space yep. on the right side. And they were able to, to do that again and to create and that, cause that automatically then creates a chance because then, the, the defenders are all out of position and everything. So um, they were able to bring that back in a way we haven't seen for the last couple of games, which mm-hmm. is really, really nice to see. Yeah. I, you know, what I, what I said to somebody while I was there, who's, who's uh, I frequently talk tactics with uh, outside of podcast stuff, mostly so people don't get to hear my idiotic thoughts. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, what I thought watching this game was you could really see the sort of two sixes and two tens, um, yeah. Uh, yep. Tactics working well, really, all night. Um, mm-hmm. You know, guys like Cello and and Macias being able to. It looked like a lot of their passes were coming from deep and and mm-hmm. kind of switching the play. A lot of diagonal long balls here and there. I mean, that call called Payne's goal out. The obvious yeah. example, right? Uh, yep. Found him in space. Uh, was going over the top. That's not something a lot of teams in this league do, by the way. Uh, aerial balls that switch the play uh, diagonally. It's, yeah, right, I mean, right. think of the last time you watched a USL one match where that that's <laughs> happening on a regular basis. Where, where, where that actually works. Like, right. I think there's some cases, some, some folks will, tr- some teams will try it, Right. but but it doesn't, but it's often in desperation because they don't know what else to do. Well, you got to have a guy like Stephen Payne or, right, you know, right. a guy like, you know, like you were saying, Jaden Owen, and who can make those runs and mm-hmm. cut behind mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. be flagged offside right away. <laughs> right. Um, but um, no, I thought Macias and Payne notably were really great all night, not on both sides of the ball, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. the whole middle and defensive third, especially those two, kept 
uh, Perez and golden boot chaser Rafa Mensigan quiet all evening again. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I, mean, I was at the game as, as you were, so I, I didn't, I wasn't listening to the commentary, so I wasn't paying as close of attention to, but I, it was like Rafa got a yellow card late, like in the 80th minute. And I was like, uh, Oh yeah, he's on this team. I forgot he's on this team. Yeah. <laughs> like he just wasn't a factor really. He had a couple, couple spots, uh, a couple decent runs, a couple chances. Um, but, he, but they really kept him quiet. Yeah. Uh, oh, game, which is and, and you, meant, you mentioned his yellow, like taking a quick aside. Yeah. It should have, it should have been a red card. Oh no, no doubt about it. Like watching yeah, it back. Not- He's shoving a player who wasn't really even involved in the altercation to the ground in front of two referees. Uh, he should have been sent off. Yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't punch him in the face or anything like that, but it was definitely it was unquestionably retaliation for something that was not. It was a it was a simple accidental foul, basically. Uh, and uh, who did it? Was it more or was it Steven? Was it Cheney? It was Cheney that like basically like probably stepped on him or ran into him. It totally was not oh, yeah. intentional. Well, it was Moro fouled him. Moro like yeah. caught him heel and he went, fell down. And then Cheney was like, it was kind of a little bit of a scramble getting right, Rafa getting back up. And Rafa just shoved him with both hands to the ground. And that's violent conduct. I mean, that's just yeah. Um, no question, it should have been a red card. Yeah, and know. he he like kind of just like waves it off when the refs come over, and like <laughs> right. knowing the refs in this league. They see something like that. Like if it was one of our players, they would have been sent off immediately. Well, Billy Forbes got sent off, or we'll talk about the Fuego game later, but yeah. sent off for accidentally for an accidental boot to the face. I just think it's like, you know, at least be consistent. But, you know, the refs in this league are consistent. They're just consistently bad. <laughs> Generally speaking, yes. <laughs> we had, and we had two different refs this time that were both... Yeah, no, I've never seen that before. Have you seen that? Like, I've never, I have never seen, seen a referee change in the middle of a game. Yeah, so for, it, for folks who don't know, like the the, the, the actually, I I didn't I didn't even notice that it happened at the time. I just know there's this long delay for and I couldn't figure out why. And then yeah. there's a new referee, but do you know why? I don't I even. I mean, know the why. center the center ref. Um, at, it was after. I mean, the camera pretty much just stayed on Baird, and he was like talking to the. The, one of the linos yeah but you could see at the start of it at least on the camera when i saw it at the time it was like somebody pointed it out to me and they're like you ever seen this before it's like what do you mean they're like the center ref's getting subbed off for the fourth official uh-huh. i was like no i've never seen that but watching it back he was limping off to the side so he must have done something to one of his legs hmm. or something um he was he did not look like he was in uh, good shape I'm I'm a, I'm a little surprised that it doesn't happen more because like those guys are putting all that miles running. Oh yeah, out of the field. It, it must, it's really easy to twist an ankle or something. So anyway, um, now so let's. Uh, the the other thing that I want to mention uh, before we get to the goals is that the build up out of the back was also much more confident and competent than we've seen in the last couple oh. of weeks. You kind of alluded to that um, <clears throat> that the, our our dual sixes were playing pretty deep. We're making a real nice job of building uh, from the back, which drew North Carolina in. Right, North Carolina was 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 um, was pressing, was trying to respond to that build up from the back, and we're really playing high and and kind of trying to pester our guys. And that had this weird, like I don't know if this is intentional or not, but this effect of like the entire the entire squad was like cheating forward until we they had their entire back line standing in the center circle, center stripe. 
which then, you know, Cello just gets the ball from Burned, looks up, sees the entire North Carolina back line, you know, at the center stripe and just, and, and, and sees Stephen begin to make a run and, and just launches one, which, um, you know, again, we've said this before, we'll say it again, assist of the week should be a thing. Yeah. Uh, but that, that ball was, was very nice. And, and looking at it in real time, you're like, how is he onside? Like, but he was, he was like way out. He wasn't, wasn't even close particularly. Like he was, I think he was, there were two guys playing him on side when that ball was played, but it was such a long ball. And so perfectly timed and weighted that uh, Steven just had to take one touch and uh, finish with a tremendous amount of composure. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been very easy to shank that. It would have been very easy to hammer that right into the keeper's gut. Um, But he, um, uh, he finished it nicely and, and just before halftime. And um, that was massive for momentum, right? Going into the break. Yeah, actually when that, so when that play started, I was actually standing right behind the goal in the flock end. And um, I saw that ball come forward and I'm just like, I mean, yeah, I got my media pass on, but there are times when I like, toss it around behind me you Uh know so that if the cameras are on me or whatever you know like they're not like who is that who is this jackass that's over there screaming to cheering for one of the teams uh but i'm like i'm shouting at at pain like take the shot finish it finish it do something here like you know like we're you got this whole just like swell of people behind you, like watching this thing. And when it went in, it was just kind of like, wow, that's exactly what you want. But yes, you are correct, Rob all night. We had like, there is this, I think that there is this thing that this team likes to do of like passing it around a little bit in our third and the defensive third finding ways to draw them out. And it's, and as soon as they see something like that happening, they find like Macias and, and Cello both in the in the especially in the first half were doing this pretty regularly mm-hmm. of like hitting those diagonal play switching passes from deep um, to stretch their play not not just to like bring them forward out of their defensive third but to mm-hmm. to stretch them and to pull some of their defenders oh. and their midfielders out which is why like you even have a a midfield as pacey and as technical as North Carolina's Mm -hmm. If they're in the middle third. When that ball goes through, there's there no, they're not catching Stephen Payne, Uh, you know, and he's probably watching across the side. So whoever's got like the defender that's back, that's going to play them on side. That's who makes that run. And, and you saw that multiple times. It doesn't always work, but it worked beautifully in that situation. Yeah. Well, and you keep and, trying it. Whether it right. works or not, you keep trying it. And this time it did. And he did have, I mean, he did have Francis running alongside him, uh, made the right decision to to take the shot. But um, but that's a, a completely, that was, the, that was the only shot on target we had in the first half. Yep. Uh, so it was, it was, we played well in the first half. We were looking dangerous. We still weren't finishing we weren't getting shots on frame uh but i feel like that changed the complexion of the second half because it gave gave our guys a little confidence gave um <clears throat> put north carolina on their heels a little bit um and it, that was assisted by the fact that we did not make the same mistake we made against central valley which was to kind of park the bus now against central yeah. valley, we didn't really talk about this against central valley but it did i don't know that it was a tactical decision on matt's part 
to park the bus, but it was, you could tell that it was the guys on the field were thinking like, let's just cling to this lead, which is a yeah. very dangerous thing to do. Uh, and they did not do that against um, North Carolina. They, they went hard uh, coming out of this first half or come out of the break rather um, ready to go, ready to score some more. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting and I got to bring this up a little bit of trivia for you. Mm -hmm. uh, this was Payne's first competitive forward Madison goal. Mm -hmm. uh, one of three total goals in his competitive career as a pro. Mm -hmm. You got one last year with Richmond. Where was the other one? If you take took a guess, where, when, and where would you would you <laughs> as a professional? Would you guess? Yeah. Um, I guess I don't even know where he played before Richmond. To be honest with you. So his his last his last goal competitive goal was uh, in the eighteen nineteen season with Varzim in Portugal. <laughs> so like this had to have meant a lot for him, yeah. You know, in his sure. career and and being able to do that in front of all those fans last night, yeah, or on Saturday, pretty incredible. Uh, to your point about about changing the momentum of the game yeah the looking at some of the stats specifically about how that momentum changed after mm -hmm. his goal yeah the shots alone i feel like are, are worth calling out because yep. before that goal north carolina outshot us six to four mm -hmm. and after we outshot that outshot them eight to three mm -hmm. and you know the interesting thing is like not overall there weren't a ton of shots and the only goal uh, in the first half, it was the only shot on frame. Yep. <laughs> Which like, it just shows you there's a ton of parody in this league, but like momentum can change like that with, with events in the game. Mm -hmm. Yep. A hundred percent. Which then led to the two more goals and that, that, and, and we talk about the, the um, Wolfie's goal. Um, it was another one off of a long ball that uh, Louis Perez got caught offside. And then Byrne just restarts it from inside his own box and just launches the ball upfield, you know, which happens. So do and it does make it as far as Derek Gebhardt flicks it with his head. Um, and then uh toward Francis Jean Baptiste, who is marked by Gustavo Fernandez. Uh Gustavo kind of misplayed it a little bit, um, but and let Francis go. And Francis then you know, dribbles to the byline. And um, this was one of those low driven crosses that went for nothing against um central valley just put it across valley. just okay. put it across the goal mouth just put it across there right and there was and against chattanooga and and central valley for that matter um our guys kept kept doing that to nobody and there was nobody there there's no, right. people guys were making the run after the pass is already coming and like not being able to catch up to it uh this one was absolutely perfectly executed uh, first of all uh North Carolina's defenders are running toward their own goal. Never a good place to be. Right. right. <laughs> Never a good position to be in. As um, a Madison fan, you love to see it. You love to see their, <laughs> their backs going toward their own goal, going and the, the look on their faces like, oh no. Um and and you know, Zemo was there, but it was clearly meant for the far post because uh Prentice you know saw what's happening and starts to make the run, the diagonal run in toward the near for, toward the far post and and just um makes the right run the right uh finish uh, a lot of composure on that finish and and you know there's absolutely nothing the goalkeeper could do with it at that point oh yeah uh, but that's the ball that that you know sometimes we will shank sometimes we'll 
um, overthink it, and and he didn't. And and he was uh, uh, talking to him after the match. He was tremendously stoked. Oh yeah, to get that goal. He was very very excited. He like didn't know how to answer the questions that we had at in the post game. You could tell. <laughs> great. Yeah, he was he like a Ricky, he was like a Ricky Bobby type of situation where he's just like <laughs> using the the you know the the recycled quotes that they teach you in media training all the time. Yeah, you know about oh, it's just for the team, and I'm like, yeah, but how did it feel for you? Yeah, I, I mean, this is just what the coaches asked me to do. Give it a time. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. That's not we're not criticizing Wolf. No, was, no, no. Great, but he was just so excited. He was just it was like, I, I'm just really happy that I was able to contribute. I was, I was just so happy to be able to do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was he was super super stoked, uh, which was great. But the other thing after that goal. Um, we still didn't park the bus. No, still didn't. We still weren't content with two, um, and uh, and we get another one on a corner late on. Um, uh, I couldn't see on the on the. I, I honestly was looking at my phone, and glanced up to watch it go in, so I kind of missed the buildup. And even but then watching it back on rewatch, um, the t- camera angle wasn't great, so you couldn't see like right. the guys were all kind of gathered at the top of the 18 and, and made their runs as Charlotte came up to strike the corner. And, um, and this was obviously intentional, right? This wasn't a lucky thing. This was crawl makes the run. Cheney makes a run to the far post crawl makes a run to the near post. Cheney heads it back to crawl who gets it down on his chest and volleys it through a three or four defenders. Um, just perfectly executed on a corner, yeah. which is not something we say very often about Ford Madison. No, I after the game was over, like when up Neil comes into the Ford Club, sit down to have a drink and a bag of chips or something. I don't know. Uh, and I was like, Neil, we scored on a corner. I was like, you better get a you better get a bonus now. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it was great, and he was pretty excited too. Uh, yeah. Getting that one, I don't know. How, he, I mean, he has he has obviously we have two defenders score on the score sheet yeah uh, all of them all of them with their first goal uh for the club and um just just fantastic just like and 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 still didn't part the bus after that we andrew really no. and Tristan cheney both had chances to add a fourth um, yeah just did not so, we're not going to give north carolina any chance to even think about getting back in this game no and i mean look we we talk about uh like we wheels being back i think is a huge thing for this team yeah, uh, he told me in the first half while he was warming up that his back injury was a herniated disc. Oh man! So he's coming back from that. Like normally, that's not the back injury you expect with with a footballer. No. Uh, but he's coming back from that, and like you mentioned, he had he had a, like a half chance in the you know three minutes into stoppage time in the second mm-hmm. half. Um. One of the other things I thought was kind of cool, and I mentioned it uh, on the New Dogma uh, Twitter account, was watching after Jay Kroll's goal, he runs down to the Ford Madison bench to yep. hug Neil and Nazim because <laughs> he got a corner. Uh, uh, but watching Baron run all the way from his goal to the halfway line to celebrate with the team after that, mm-hmm. that was pretty great. And 
honestly, like this is something I've actually been asking different people around the club about, like, what's, you know, after a couple of bad losses, right. You assume that there, you know, maybe there's something deeper going on, you know? Yeah. In the, in the, in the locker room and all that stuff. And everything that I've heard has been like, no, we're, we're in a good place. We just had a bad run of games and, you know, like going into this game this weekend, it was kind of like, what, what, give us a chance, see how we bounce back, you know, yep, don't, yep. don't jump to conclusions on this. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the one thing that, which I think is fantastic. The one thing that's a little bit uh, concerning to me, a little, at least a little bit, and maybe I don't, I'd love to get your opinion on this, but is it concerning that our strikers aren't scoring or is it <laughs> fine given that, They've been a good distraction for less obvious attacking threats. Um, that that did come up on, on Twitter. Some folks were asking that. Um and have been asking that for a few weeks. Um, I think it's I think it's okay, only because um we have okay, we have Mitch Meerman. Massive shout out to Mitch for catching this. We have 15 goals in all competitions this season. Cheney has four of them. Eleven guys are tied for a second with one each, right. which on its surface is kind of a, a it's a fun statistic and it's an interesting statistic and it's a, I think it's a positive one that you have so many different threats, so many guys you could put one in. Um, what it also tells me is if and when the forwards do start to connect, you're going to see more of these three nil score lines. Yeah, right. If you have the rest of the team keeping you in games, keeping you winning a few games. Um, until the strikers can get it together <laughs> and figure it out, but also, but, but also, there's that that Christian Cheney draws a lot of attention. Oh yeah, um, like a ton of attention, and and gets thrown to the ground all the time, and it's just difficult for him to score, even the kind of scorer he is, and he's still got four goals. Yep. Um, Moro's got one. You know, he said he could probably, uh, but again, he gets attention, but. Also, the way we, um, the way we build our attack from the midfield, you're gonna get guys like Cello taking long range shots. You're gonna get guys like uh, Jacob Crawl into the into the box occasionally. You're gonna get um, midfielders trying to be threatening, and I like that. I like that the midfielders are not necessarily only there to serve up the strikers. Right? Yeah, I mean it's. Look, as a as a, a soccer fan, he's watched a lot of very good hold up play mm-hmm. uh, strikers over the years, who can deliver when they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as the goals are coming, I don't care. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like as long as they're happening, and and you know what, those goals for those other players are n- nothing but confidence boosters for everyone. And. Right. And if we're well, meant to be playing this sort of like total football type of uh, of tactics, then they've they've got to get those goals. Yeah, they do, and uh, and eventually, teams will figure out that it's, that all these other guys can score at any moment, and might that might free Cheney up in some space. That might give more a little bit more space. It might give Azim a little bit more space. Um, but um, you know, when your goalkeeper is only one goal away from being second leading scorer on the team. <laughs> I think that's kind of interesting, uh, but we got to get Burns got to score one. 
Robert Screen has to score. Uh, there's like three or four guys that haven't scored yet, uh, which is, I think, hilarious. Um, but, but to answer your question, no, I'm not terribly, terribly concerned about that. Um, the one thing I am, I am concerned about is the consistency. Yeah. Right. And, uh, the, the killer instinct, um, we, we, what we saw on Saturday was killer instinct, right? We had, you had Geno Baptiste dribbling to the byline, looking up, finding a runner and you had him finishing it. You have Stephen Payne taking one touch and a shot. You saw, um, Jacob Kroll, uh, surrounded by defenders, right. no hesitation to volley that ball. No. He, he didn't. He didn't let it fall. He didn't try to corral it. He just boom, boom and it's in. Um, <clears throat> that killer instinct isn't always there. Yes. That's that's my concern. That that if if we need guys that are and, and this also is a, a few Twitter listeners brought this up that the 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 crosses that, you know, they were complaining about against Chattanooga and against Central Valley weren't didn't have a lot of intention behind it. There was like, it's sort of like a hopeful ball. Yep. The crosses on Saturday were not hopeful. They were intentional. Yeah. Right. And the long ball forward were intentional, not hopeful. Uh, so I, to the extent that that's a concern, it's that that's not, that's not always the case. Right. If it's we, a, I think it's an easy, yeah, it's an easy scapegoat, right. Of like, <clears throat> obviously, I mean, look, as somebody, like I mentioned earlier, it's frustrating to watch and it's an easy thing to blame. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, like th- dialing in that intensity and that intentionality and just having the, the mental part of that, of like take every chance you get. Cause it yeah. seemed, it seemed like that was the plan on Saturday. Yeah. And, and to continue to create chances, even with the lead. Right. right. And, and this, this sort of that, they talk about killer instinct. There was no mercy. There was no like, we're going to yep. defend now. Um, because the defense is there. Like, you, do, you don't have to pack the, this team is so good defensively. They don't have to park the bus necessarily. Right. You don't have to bring extra guys into the back into the box. It's a drop. Um, and when you do that, is when you start giving up chances. Like, when, when Not- you, Central Valley, when you started to pull back, you started to see Derek Ebhart uh, playing more defensively. Um, that's when you started to lose momentum. I will say, I will say this. There's a little bit of fire in the belly on this game. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not being talked about. It's not being mentioned uh, on interviews or podcasts, but there, the guys left from last season uh, absolutely wanted to put one over on Mikey Maldonado. <laughs> and I'd say they got the job done. They got the job done there for sure. For sure. They did. <laughs> Sometimes you just need that, right? Love you it. know, like it. and 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 there's, and there's going to be some fire in the belly coming up for this one. Not only the Henny Derby, but uh, you know, you asked Stephen after the game, you know, how are you feeling about it? And his, his direct quote was, "I'm frothing at the mouth." Yeah, yeah. He wants to beat Richmond, which is yeah. not the type of thing you'd expect uh, Stephen oh, Payne to say. Even keel all the time, but <laughs> man, uh, I'm very much looking forward to this game on Saturday. I hope you all are too. Um, and we will, um, uh, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a really, really good one uh, on Saturday in Richmond uh, with the Henny Trophy on the line, as well as, um, you know, our spot on the table. And, um, you know, we are now, we're in in the top half now, finally. We're in fifth now on the table, right? Which is gets to be more relevant now that the games in hand are kind of starting to disappear. We're just getting closer in terms of matches played. Um, but just looking ahead, we've got uh, four more games in this between now and July 2nd. Um, we wanted like 
12 points out of this month and we've got three so far, you know, nine more points in the next four games is doable. I don't know if, you know, we'll see. Um, but how are you feeling generally? I just uh, as the third of the way through the season, roughly. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, looking at the upcoming games, it's uh, there are no easy ones. I mean, there's so much we've, we've talked about this so many times, like there is so much parody in this league. Um, we don't really have the, you know, I'm, we don't have the ability to switch off. There are no easy, there are no easy games, no easy competition. And yeah. when, when you look at, look, playing Richmond at home is never easy or at, at city stadium yeah, is right. never easy. They, they have a great fan base there, tons of talent. Um, but you look at, you look at the head of the games after that. I feel like the Derby games are a little bit of like a 50 50 every time. Oh, sure. That, yeah. The Both stats, the stats back it up, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. There are five wins on either side and one draw. That's the yeah. history of that, that Derby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, every, all, all, you know, form goes out the window for this game, <laughs> which, you know, sure. depending on who you ask is maybe a good or a bad thing. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, then we, then we host uh, Lexington on Thursday uh, and then have uh, nearly a week to where we go away to uh, face up square up against uh, Matthew Cassini or Mateus Cassini and uh, you know, the league winners of the league last season in South yep. Georgia. Um, it's a rough run of games. These next ones yeah. uh, that <laughs> looking at that run from after next weekend, we have a game every like, well, we have Thursday and then Wednesday and then a Saturday. Um, I, I think we're going to see more rotation uh, yep. in the starting 11. Um, hey, this is a great time for some of those younger guys to actually show what they're made of, too. And hopefully we see, you know, some some of the guys like Francis and, and Wolfie start to see mm-hmm. more of a breakout. Yeah, and I think they both got their chance on Saturday and they, and they acquitted themselves pretty well. Both I th- guys, I th- Wolfie and Francis, both. I think I thought so on both sides of the ball, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, uh, one other guy I wanted to mention was Aiden Macias. You mentioned mm. you kind of made a little to him. He, he, he looked really good again. Uh, he's playing with a lot of swagger, a lot of confidence. Um, do we think the haircut is <laughs> was intentional? Is it like we lost two games in a row? I have to cut my hair. Um, if so, oh. well done, Aiden. I will say this, Rob. He does go to the same barber shop that I go to. Oh, does he? Uh, so does Cheney. Uh, yeah. But you know, there's just something mad. Maybe, I'm not gonna say where it is. We'll just keep <laughs> it a secret. But there's something magical about that place. But I will say this: there are a lot of guys with a very similar sense of humor and personality <laughs> to Christian Cheney at that barber shop. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk uh, through the, the rest of the league games here real quick. I don't know if you got a chance to to watch any of these, Andrew, but um, Northern Colorado, uh, the same time we were losing to uh, Chattanooga, Richmond was losing to Northern Colorado. Leo Fala got another assist of the week candidate, launching a long ball to Valentin Sabella. Flat at home early in the game, the 14th minute. And then uh, Golden Boot leader Trevor Amon sealed the deal with his eighth goal on the season in the 84th uh, minute to seal that one for Northern Colorado. Then on Saturday, Greenville Omaha played to a one, one draw. Joe Brito uh, gets a shot on goal early, uh, saved. Noe Meza was right there to clean up the rebound to, to put uh, Omaha one nil. 
Then Lyon McKinnon equalized in first half, first half stoppage time in the sort of the chaos after free kick. And then that was all the scoring there. Uh, Tormenta and Lexington also won one draw. Uh, Tormenta get a penalty in the fifth minute. Uh, it was the right call. Probably should have been a yellow card, frankly. Uh, Kaziah Sterling converted that. And then Atas Diouf scored on a corner 10 minutes later to even it up for Lexington, uh, who are continue to play really well and just aren't quite getting the results that they deserve necessarily. Um, Northern Colorado won Knoxville, played to a 0-0 draw. Northern Colorado uh, did get 12 shots off, but only three on target in that one. And then Richmond uh, bounces back, just as Madison did, bouncing back from the Wednesday loss and beats Fuego 2-1. to one. Uh, Jesus Partido with some amazing holdup, shaking off a defender and then getting a tough cross and then a really tight angle to Jose Carrera. Finished it off for Fuego in the 49th. But then Emiliano Trezaghi, who else, earns a penalty and converts it just after the break to level things. And then uh, Akira Fitzgerald was just on his head in this game, just mm-hmm. massive saves. Um, and then Trezaghi did get another goal in the 70th minute. Then uh, Billy Forbes, we mentioned, for Fuego had a breakaway in the 79th. Akira Fitzgerald came out to challenge him, took a boot to the face. Jeez. Um, Forbes was sent off. I don't know. Was that a red card? I don't know if that's. I don't know if you saw that, Andrew, but it was. It was not. It was not intentional. It was reckless. Yeah. It was. It was. There was uh, no. It wasn't a second yellow. It was a straight red. I can't argue with the call because he did. It's reckless. It's dangerous. Yeah. Guy's face. Dangerous play is, uh, you know, is is generally going to be treated a little harsher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Billy Forbes will be out, and and we don't know yet about Akira Fitzgerald. I just talked with uh, uh, Yogi today, uh, and he they haven't heard anything um, Mm. whether or not Akira will be back uh, for our game against against Richmond, or you know how bad the injury was, if he got a concussion, really or not. But but we'll find out. so we're going to um, – I'm going to have – I'm actually talking with some more folks. Uh, I'm going to have a, a little sort of an article preview of the whole eruption tour Juneteenth situation on Madison 365. Uh, later this week, we're going to have a fantastic, massive guest. I don't even want to say who it is yet because I'm not excited about it. It's not Lionel Messi, but it's close. It's close to that level. Uh, so listen to that. We're probably hoping, hoping to drop that later in the week, uh, and then we'll, we'll be back next week after the Richmond game. Andrew, anything else from you? No, all I'm saying is that uh, closing this out, yeah. somebody has to find a way to stop Kaziah Sterling. Yeah. He's come back after being out injured. The guy mm-hmm. scored 17 goals and 26 appearances for, for Tormenta. That's yeah. like, it's come on. Come on. Send him up to the championship. Get him out of here. <laughs> Promote that guy. <laughs> Just get him out of our face. Yeah, uh, I will say uh, something. Something for the fans, just because maybe they hadn't heard it yet. Um, Mitch Osmond did mention after this last game that it was the loudest he has heard the stadium walking around uh, most of the game this time because Grant, Grant was seeing the Grateful Dead play uh, yeah. down there listening in Wrigley Field, listening to twelve-minute guitar solos. <laughs> I got a chance to to saunter around the stadium. Um, it's people are starting to pick up on, on singing and uh, giving the refs mm-hmm. and the opposition some stick in the other parts of the stadium. It is uh, the type of spreading culture that a club like this needs. Uh, yeah. So wherever you are in the stadium, keep being vocal, keep being loud. Yep. It definitely means something to our guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can keep getting three nil wins at home, you know, I mean, it's worth it, right? right? 
Yeah, yeah we'll be all right. <laughs> uh, I will. I will say also. I should mention we had forty nine hundred something, forty nine twenty four, uh, <clears throat> the previous Saturday, to see that loss against Central Valley, uh, and then and then forty five hundred, another forty five hundred turnout the week after two losses. That's pretty incredible, guys. So well yeah. done, everybody who comes out uh, to those matches. And and like I said, I, I'm hearing more song, more singing in the <clears throat> sort of the grandstand section away from the flock end, which is great to hear. Yeah. Love and, it. And the guys, the guys love it. The guys appreciate it. And uh, so do we. Talk and Flock is a production of the Soda Soccer Network, produced by Jeremy Rushing, hosted by me, Rob Chappell, and this week by our good friend, Andrew Schmidt. Andrew, thanks a lot for being here. Glad to be here, Rob. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Up the goes. <laughs> <laughs>